Welcome to the Fantastic Magic Center. I'm Kent Cummins, and I'm going to share the real secrets of magic. Libraries are very important to everyone, but in particular, I think, to magicians. I was born in Del Rio, Texas, got my first magic trick and my first magic set there. There were no magic stores, no magic clubs, no groups of people, but there was a library. And often when I'm talking to kids at the beginning of a kids' magic show, I'll let them know that in Del Rio there were no theaters where magicians like David Copperfield could come perform, no magic stores, certainly no magic camp. There was obviously no internet, no television. Oh, well, I mean, I'm not that old, but I am old enough that when I was a kid, the only way you could see television was to be in a big city that had a TV station. And Del Rio was too small. In fact, even Austin, Texas was too small back in 1943 when I was born, or even 1949 when I started the journey to becoming a full-time professional magician. So, I needed to go to the Del Rio Public Library, and they did have a few magic books in their kids section, but what I particularly remember is the school library. We had two different schools for elementary school. There was one that was for first and second grade, and then another building that was third and fourth grade, and it was, I believe, the fourth grade, I know it was that building, that we had two magic books in the school classroom library. Well, I was a magician. I couldn't let ordinary people learn the secrets of magic, and so I checked out those books without the teacher knowing it. In other words, yes, I stole them. I'm sorry, but that's what I did. I thought I was preserving the secrets of magic and that I was doing a wonderful thing. And I remember one of them, I think, was like the Buster Brown Shoes Book of Magic. I don't remember what the other one was. I've never seen a Buster Brown book of magic since then, so I don't know for sure. What I do know is that later when we moved to New Orleans, my conscience bothered me so badly that I threw those books away. I know there would have been better solutions, but give me a break. I was in the fifth grade. I went to my dad and told him what had happened. He arranged to send some money to the school to pay for the magic books that I had stolen. And since then I've learned, hey, if somebody goes to the trouble to get and read a magic book and then practice the tricks, well, like me, they're on their way to becoming a magician. That's not giving away the secrets of magic, that's sharing in appropriate ways. Magicians are fond of saying that they keep their secrets carefully hidden by putting them into books. And I soon learned that the Dewey Decimal number for magic books was 793.8, although that's not exactly accurate, because if you looked in the card catalog under magic, you found books about sorcery and the occult and witches and demons. You had to look up books on conjuring in the old card catalog, I suppose, because the setup was done in England, and conjuring is the British word often used for performing magic the way we think of today, not the old, scary, the way the magicians were listed in the Bible way, but in the, hey, Uncle John pulled a quarter out of my ear, let's have a magician at our birthday party way. 
And one of the wonderful things about moving to New Orleans was they had wonderful libraries. I can remember riding the trolley car to whatever the neighborhood library was and devouring all of the children's books about magic, I mean conjuring, and practicing the books. Joseph Leeming was one of my favorite authors in the children's section. And in recent years, I've been able to find a few of those Joseph Leeming books, just like the ones I used to check out when I was a kid. So they are a prized part of my magic library. And by the way, this podcast is coming to you from Fantastic Magic Center, the library. And once I had devoured all of the children's books, then the librarian let me go upstairs to where the grown-up books on magic were, and they were bigger, thicker books with fewer pictures, and a little harder to read, but I was always a voracious reader as a child, so I went through those books and learned and learned. I remember Otakar Fisher's The Illustrated Magic and several other wonderful magic books from the New Orleans Public Library. And from there, we moved to Shreveport, Louisiana, and then to Baton Rouge. And I stayed in Baton Rouge until graduation from LSU, and then started traveling the world with the U.S. Army. But the entire time, I was building my own personal library. So any country that I was assigned to or that we visited, I would look for magic books. And I remember in Germany, I went into a bookstore and said I wanted Zauber books because Z-A-U-B-E-R is magic, auf Deutsch, in German. And they took me to a bunch of books about how to stay clean and healthy. And I didn't understand until I realized that the Z is pronounced differently. It's Zauberbuch. And once I made them understand that I wanted Zauberbuch, not Zauberbuch, then they took me to the magic books. And I do have magic books in German right here in my library, as well as some wonderful books in French and probably some languages I don't even know how to read. One of the things I don't have yet is the Tarbell Course of Magic in any other language. And I understand that they actually have a version of it in Hangul, Korean. I really, really want that, but really don't need it and haven't spent the money on it, although I helped a friend of mine get it one time. And since libraries and books have been such an important part of how I learned magic, then also libraries became a place where I performed magic. And I can remember one time saying that I would do library shows for free. And then somebody pointed out to me, okay, but you're a professional magician now. You can do without the income for these smaller shows maybe. But what about the young people that are just getting started that depend on that $75 or $100 or even $200 as part of building their career? And I realized they were right. And so what I did was I gave librarians a 25% discount off of any show or any service. I put together a little book and I got a QR code that took librarians to a special place on my website that only they would find so that librarians and only librarians get a special discount on the shows. I've talked about a lot of these things in previous podcast episodes, but this is the first time I've put together an entire episode just about libraries. And so a lot of these memories that you may have heard before are all coming together in one place. In particular, when we did move to Austin for the final time in 1978, 
I was running the sandwich shops, the little chain of sandwich shops in Austin, and I found out that Austin Public Libraries were going to have magic as their theme for the summer reading program. And so I made a deal with the libraries where the sandwich shops would help sponsor the summer reading program so that any kid that read a certain number of books would get coupons good for the sandwich shop. And anybody that came to the sandwich shops would get little flyers talking about the summer reading program. And I put together a book, the Murdoch's Book of Magic, and every time a kid read a certain number of pages, I mean a certain number of books, they would get a different page in that little booklet so that at the end of the summer they had their own magic book. I still have a couple copies of that left here at the Fantastic Magic Center. And part of what I did that summer, 1978, was I went to every branch library and I sawed the children's librarian from that branch in half. Now, upon reflection, since library shows usually have a lot of very young children, that seemed like not a particularly good choice, but I don't remember it causing a lot of problems, probably because I was just silly about it instead of scary. But yes, I have sawed more people in half than probably almost anybody in the world. And Austin Public Libraries were going to have a big final party to celebrate the end of the summer reading program out in Woldridge Park, which was a central Austin park about one square block, if I recall, right next to the library systems. They had a bandstand, and I wanted to produce myself out of a magic book. So I contacted my brother, Carter, who had built several of my best magic tricks and illusions. And sure enough, he created the Book of Magic, a giant library book, but it folded up so that it would fit in my Volkswagen bus. And we performed it for the first time right there in Woldridge Park in the middle of downtown Austin. And I remember it was a breezy day, and so we had to have assistants holding the book so that it didn't blow off the stage. Of course, the thing I'm most proud of is that on the spine, it said 793.8. And that giant book of magic became one of my favorite illusions. I used it to produce myself in many, many shows, and I found ways to also use it to produce the giant bunny rabbit, to produce my assistants, to produce the master of ceremonies for a variety show, to produce a gorilla, to produce Santa Claus, the book of magic. And of course I would change the cover to be appropriate for whatever the program was that I was doing. I remember in particular the one that I did for Joe Vitale, who had just written a book about Barnum and his marketing secrets. And so we made a gigantic dust jacket cover for my book of magic. And interestingly, he had his release party in Woolridge Park. So once again, I performed, but this time the book looked like his book and I produced a mermaid, a live mermaid, and then a P.T. Barnum himself. It was an entire event full of humbug because they had a band that played music that only dogs could hear, and they had Sylvester the Cat walking around with a picket sign. A very fun event, and you can probably still find it on YouTube. Look up Joe Vitale, look up P.T. Barnum book, look up Magic in Woolridge Park, look up Kent Cummins. I forget exactly the best way to find it, but you'll find a lot of fun things while you're looking for it. And in the last decade or so, I've been honored in various ways. The Library Foundation honored me by inviting me to appear on a radio program telling my story of how I became a magician through the public library system. And nearly 10 years ago now, the Austin Public Library is called. They have a 
annual Celebrity Read poster, R-E-A-D, and it was a chef that year, and they said they thought they might want to have a magician the next year. Would I be interested? Well, yes, I would be interested. You've probably heard the story about how I eventually took my young granddaughter, who had been in a talent show calling herself The Amazing Adele. We both went for the photo shoot. When the poster came out, I realized, oh, this poster is going to be in every library in the Austin area, in museums, in school libraries, and when I go do magic shows, people are going to say, where's the Amazing Adele? And so that was the start of nearly a decade of the Amazing Adele and the fantastic Kent Cummins performing together, and it's all because of libraries. I used the giant book of magic so many times that it was falling apart. I needed to use it for an event in New Jersey, and so my friends at the Palace Theater here in Georgetown actually built me a brand new book of magic and the old one went to the fantastic magic camp for their teens to use when they did big shows. The new one lives all set up and ready to go in the fantastic magic center right here in Georgetown. I now have thousands of books on magic and related arts right here at the Fantastic Magic Center. Although I've learned the hard way not to let people borrow them because it just seems they never come back, or at least if they do come back, they don't come back in the same shape that they left. But I am happy to let people do research here. And occasionally a magician will call and come over and do research about magic right here. Because I have books that I bought when they first came out more than 50 years ago because I never throw anything away and because any time I see a book about magic, well, I've got to have that. That's how magicians keep their secrets, by hiding them in books. Books have also been part of my performing. For many years, I used a hot book, which is a book that you open up and flames come out. But there are so many places that you can't use flames in performance. And then I didn't like what I was showing kids who loved the fire and might want to go home and try it themselves. So now I have a book that I open up and giant flowers spring out. And that isn't quite as exciting, but it's exciting enough. The kids still go, ooh, when it happens. And what book do I use? My favorite magic book, the Mark Wilson Complete Course in Magic. A wonderful book, which, again, I have mentioned many times. I don't know if you learned anything new in this week's episode, but... I hope putting all of these things together might inspire you. If you're a magician, find a magic book that you don't have. Get it, read it, learn from it. And if you're not a magician but are interested in magic, if you want to learn magic, there are wonderful books. The Mark Wilson Complete Course in Magic would be my favorite for someone just starting. And if you are interested in magic but don't particularly want to learn the secrets, there are some wonderful, wonderful books on magic history. You can look at them here at the Fantastic Magic Center, but you can't check them out. I call my library magic show The Magic of Books. I'm Kent Cummins. Join us next time for more tales from the Fantastic Magic Center. And if you'd like even more information, well, join us on our website, fantasticmagiccenter.com. Kent cannot preserve the secret legacy of magic without your support. Start today by going to fantasticmagiccenter.com and clicking the red Join Our Patreon button. <laughs>